0: This is actually brought to us by the Wooji Head Wellness and Spiritual Performance Center, which is currently Toronto's <laughs> Premier, Premier Wellness. Wellness. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Premier Wellness and Acupuncture center. So for Acupuncture, we are open. We're regulated really health professionals, So come on in for that. But we also have online services for everything else, like Qigong, Reiki. And what's the biggest surprise with it, Andrea? Well, as soon as COVID's done, we'll have an actual called spiritual storm. In Toronto, uh, but not before COVID's done, because you shouldn't be going out anyway. But you know that's how it is. But as soon as it's done, whenever it's done, we'll, we'll open it up. Uh, so in season four of Deeper Down, like the first season, interesting, we're talking about L, which was the first season, and then we had a couple seasons there. The season uh, we actually came to, we're actually doing something a little different with the show where we're actually trying to walk up the tree of life. And what are we doing right now? Because we did air last week and we're doing water today on the four tectonic elements uh, in Hermeticism that make up Malkuth. And while last week or we uh, two weeks ago, we we're talking about cutting and separating and ideation and discernment. Today, we're going to walk in water. And it just so happened that you could, today we have a special guest, Lilith, who's going to join us. We were talking about, we're doing this water show. And at the same time, we're talking about, well, we're planning out the water show. We, we have to do a water show. And we saw Lilith wrote, wrote a book called Water Magic. And I've met Lilith many years ago at multiple festivals. So we kind of, well, I don't do as many festivals now. But we, we met her. We said, yeah, this would be good this is perfect it's perfect synchronicity mm-hmm. and you know she hails from multiple traditions across paradigmal approach magic she's, she's been multiple initiations in lukami and yeah. ifan and hisi buddha and Orleans vudu formal magical training in the film. an overall great person you yep. know hilarious so there we go and now she lives in my favorite city in the world, my second favorite city. Let's say Toronto is my first favorite city, right? Because I live there. But yeah, second favorite city, which is New Orleans. And in our pre show discussion, we we're talking about well, what should we start off with the show? What should we really talk about? And we kept coming to this aspect in, in the pre show, kind of like we're just discussing stuff that many cultures have this duality with water that's pretty consistent, you know, from the primordial soup of pre creation that Tiamat represents to the dark, cold waters of the Leviathan, which sort of deal with the abysmal waters of the Gaath, the ancestors and voodoo being associated with the waters, but the water is also associated with creation. There's this duality in many cultures between life and death, between creation and dissolution. Mm-hmm. Even in plastic alchemy, you have this dissolve and recreate even with bath-made kind of thing, all associated with different aspects in some way with water. And we thought we would start the discussion there as it's an interesting kind of philosophical part of water that we have to kind of grasp with before we can use it practically. Yep.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks so much for having me on the show, back on the show. Uh, I, I remembered was I was on the show before, three years ago. I went back and checked. So, talking about food, and now I'm talking about water. It's like I'm in jail. But anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, that was good. That was really good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But no, it's true. It really does. Like cross-culturally, we look at all of these things, you know, I mean, I'm an anthropologist in addition to a filmmaker. That's what I was trained as well. And we it doesn't matter what culture you're looking at. I had a wonderful linguist, Alison Eggleston, write a chapter for the book about even the sound that we make when we say the word water goes back thousands of years. This is like primal. this this connection to water and how important it is for all of us as human beings really is at the beginning. You know, workshop the other night and someone said, I don't know how to get in touch with it. And I was like, it's already in you. You know, our bodies are mostly water. Our brains and our hearts are even more water than our general body is made up. So it's like we're carrying this water inside us. You know, there's a lot of folklore, mythology about how these different cultures began it doesn't matter if it's indigenous cultures from the United States or from Australia or Celtic cultures there's all these healing waters and birth and transformation because we're born in water when when we have that moment of birth it comes with a whole bunch of water you know and one of the quotes i have in the book is about how how all important things come with water be it blood tears all of these things <laughs> so it's like it's in us it follows us it's our beginnings and you're right it's also our ends so So that that, when I was looking at putting together the book was one of the most fascinating things for me. I also have a guest piece in there by Taino Elder talking about the early waters and their divinities and the goddess and and how their people are born throughout the water. So again, like I said, it goes all over the place. My dear friend, which Dr. Utu from St. Catharines, not too far from Toronto, (laughs) has a piece in there about how the sacred waters of Niagara and how that is connected. And some of those tributaries come and form down and go all the way down here to me to form the mighty Mississippi. So it's really connected in the earth as well as actually being connected in us. So it kind of makes sense that there's all these beginnings and there's all these realms that we're going to talk about more as we go on tonight. But I just think it really is fascinating because, you know, when you see different cultures come up with the same thing, you think, wow, all right, there really is a universal here. And then what is that universal and what does it mean for me?
0: Well, interestingly enough, all life would have been thought to, scientifically speaking, have started in the sea. And at least on Earth, on this plane and this planet, Earth is the base element for any simulation for life to begin. That isn't to say there's not other possible constructions, but all life somehow started from the sea. And in your book, you reference even a Dabala story where, you know, Dabala is coming through the sea. Again, all life starting from the sea, which, you know... A lot of people, at least in Google conflicting source, but the Kamala is often thought of the creation, the spark, the creation of life, as it were, the Tamala and native So that's that's also kind of going back to well, where water is this the first bacteria probably started in water and that's what we came from. And I think people often they are like, Well, how do I connect with water? You said at the best, it's like you know, the last year we're like, yeah, go stare at the sky, right? But you don't even need to stare at the sky, because you can just you can literally just put your hand and listen to your pulse, and that's the movement of water. You can literally feel the movement of water just through your pulse, because I need 7% water? Yeah, a good chunk of it is water, and I mean, you know, we're talking about different origin stories, like even trying to, to it started with the water mythology. It's not really talked about that much, because you have this fire predominance later on, but it did evolve from the water when we
1: look at the shamanic points. Yeah, I just I just find that so fascinating, you know, because it's somewhere that we can all come together you know, we all have these things and we all have a special relationship with it, but it all really is ours because it is internalized like that. And I think that, yeah, I just think it's beautiful. You know, I mean, I was challenged too, when I first thought about writing about water, you know, because I didn't know it wasn't my idea to write this book. (laughs) It was given to me by my editors at Llewellyn as part of a series, you know, and and it really is fortuitous that, you know, we reconnected at this time and I'm able to come back on the show because I think that this book is really needed. how many people have been telling me as it drips and drabs in with the COVID delays. So I apologize if anybody's taking a while to get it, but that drips and drabs. Look, look at that. We're dripping all over the place. But it really is this way in which people are saying that just sort of rediscovering that the magic of water, because it is the one, you know, like you said, you got to go outside and look at the sky or the fire. You can't necessarily have a fire in your living room, you know, but you've got water, you've got water in your body, you've got water in the taps, like all of that has its own special magic so I think because of the current circumstances that we're in now this book really does take on extra special significance that I had no I didn't foresee it.
0: Well I think it's interesting because we're in a place where, I mean, often water is this creative destructive element. I mean, you use it as stuff, right? But it, the amplification of emotion, we see this when we take this to macro level, people are constrained, there's this amplification of emotion going on across the board, right? These are all properties of, you know, people would think, oh yeah, this rhetoric and stuff like that, it's all fire. But really, it's kind of a water aspect, right? It's amplifying and carrying this kind of greater emotion because now People are stuck in the house, right? They're not, they they can't they can't communicate the same way. Like, so they have to communicate through. Dreaming, which is a metaphor for water and technology, that they have to, we have to communicate through digital means, you know, which allow a person to kind of reflect back and forth on their own emotions more. Uh, so they can't, they don't have the calibration, they, they don't have the physical quality of stuff. So they're stuck with their own water and, and kind of what's going on there. And a lot of people kind of right now, maybe this is a great reason why the water magic book is even more timely. It's like you're stuck with your own emotions, which are usually water is the element most associated with implication or diving into emotions yes. and people having to deal with all this emotions right like they're having to deal with emotions they never had to deal with before because they're stuck in the house or because they can't actively go and do stuff which you know if we're talking about that that's that's doing that's fire right doing stuff but they're stuck sort of circulating in one area sort of doubly that well how do people then in this life and death type of can be both things. Well, how do we use this water magic, actually? Maybe throw out some of the stuff. Maybe help us process some of the emotions. And maybe that's a good place to ask you, how do we do that with some of the stuff? Since you, your book is an anthology of many cultures methods of using water and practical
1: magic? Well, I, there are a lot of ways to do that, I think. Uh, I think that part of it is, you're right, it does get us in touch with our emotions. It does deal with the hidden, the mysterious. All these things are traditionally things that are associated with water. And when I started thinking about it, especially in conjunction with the Tree of Life, I started to thinking about this element of silence. And there's so many deities that we get in the ATRs or African traditional religions where the power of water also also comes with silence. We look at some of the divinities, some of these ancient foremothers that we're talking about, like Mami Wada. And when they communicate, even through possession, that is very, almost an ancient language. It's almost pre-verbal, which I think is fascinating to me when you think about that. Like they, you go back throughout all this time and they're not necessarily speaking the same language that we were speaking. So when they communicate, it's through the emotions, it's through feeling. And, and one of the beautiful things about Mami Wada is anywhere that there is water, you have Mami it's like she carries the ashe or the sacred energy of water. So everybody has their own mommy water, again, right in their house. Even if they live in the middle of the desert, they have mommy water there. They have water for their own self and their own you know, environment. So I think that's really fascinating and getting in touch with it. For me, a lot of this has been, especially being on lockdown, has been reinventing Joy's In the simple things, and the sublime things, and and I put a lot of this in the book, too, about, okay, well, I have to drink water, you know, and I've never been a big water drinker in my life. Here I am with a cup of coffee from the Blue Spiritual Temple, but my coffee has water in it. I had to use water to make that coffee. So there, and other beverages that I drink have water in it. So even if I have an aversion to drinking actual water, which I know some of you do, and I'm one of you, so, you know, there's the divine don't drink water sisterhood. But
0: um, <laughs> you really should drink water. Well, I, 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 I've got coffee myself. I mean, yeah. We're, we're practically, uh, speaking of water, we're practically like, well, here we go. Here we go. Right? <laughs> like, you know, here we go if we run out of coffee. But if Court wants to sponsor the show, here we go. Yes.
1: Nice. I mean, that's still got water in it. Uh, It does have water in it, you know. Whatever. There's, uh, yes, definitely. I, I, I salute that on every level. I definitely do. But we, so we're taking water into ourselves. We're having magical baths. We're having magical showers. You know, even if it's just a regular shower shower and you throw in some herbs or some salt and things like that, then you've turned it into an extra magical shower. You know, I talk a lot in the book about the spirit of place through tap water, because for most of, like for me, I'm here in New Orleans, that comes from the Mississippi. So I have the Mississippi river water coming into my house. So, and in other places, it does also come from your local tributaries and things like that. So it really has spirit of place. So reconnecting with spirit of place, we have the time to do that now when we didn't before. And so much of this for me and for my godchildren and people who study with me has been about focusing on, okay, well, what do I have now? What do I have to work with? And I have these things. I have the spirit of place. I have the water that comes in through the faucet. I have the water that's in my body. I still need to do those regular water type things like take a shower. Everybody's washing their hands now. You know, I ran out and made magical hand sanitizer and put Florida water in it. Now everybody's selling that. So whatever, but there's a recipe on my blog. If you to make your own magical hand sanitizer with Florida water in it but for me it was like this is look this is something that I have to do almost as a ritual if I'm going out and I'm you know I might have touched something so now I can make that ritual where I'm using these magical waters to heal me both physically and spiritually. And I think that that just allows me to have that extra step to my magic that I didn't have before. No, it stinks. Nobody wants their hands all slimy all day. But if you have to have your hands all slimy, you might as well have an added benefit to that where you know that you're protecting yourself, not just physically, but also spiritually. So it's been little things like that that I've been trying to highlight for myself and for the people around me and for my students where they can sort of reinvent some of these things that they might have taken for granted before you know i've been doing a lot of laughing because everybody seems to be rediscovering cooking and gardening but i was always as you know a cooking and gardening person before you
0: know so it's like three three years ago that's what we had you on the show for and i was like
1: yeah yeah uh,
0: it's kind of interesting because you're talking about little things and like with today we spent a good couple hours before the show we can't hear it because it's Zoom's actually doing its job. We set up a water fountain, right? That's, I get a little water and stuff like that. Just, it's a, it's a stone fountain. But the movement of water, when blessed, continues the movement of water in the way that you, in other cultures, use the air, right? So it's like moving water continuously. It kind of sets it up. It was a small thing that we we're trying to do to move energy, but the movement of water kind of moves energy too, and you're kind of discussing some of that. But one of the interesting things is the exact things that we're using to protect yourself is actually, again, goes back to life, death, economy. COVID is, by virtue, a water disease. Mm -hmm. Like, what we're using to protect us, the hand sanitizer, stuff like that, is basically different forms of water, you know. Again, like, it's bringing creation and death at the same time. We're talking, like, like COVID is a cold, damp disease. Yep. Uh, in Chinese traditional medicine. So it literally spreads through aerosol water. Mm-hmm. Like, so again, we're getting, even when we're discussing the little things, we're getting to creation and destruction at the same time. We're not destruction so much in the same way as more like death, creation and death at the same time. Well, and, the and it's one of those things where, I mean, you're brought dampness. No one really has a context for dampness. I always say it's humidity. It's like humidity that's sticking to you. So there is a aeroplasty, but also it has a water tendency to really just be muggy around you. And that's internal or external. So when you think about that from a circulation standpoint, that's being in a room that has basically that damn feeling that just sticks to you. So what's the first thing you want to do? You want to get some circulation in there in some sort way. Yeah, water. Yeah. Different, different, a different way to think of water. But it's very interesting, like, getting people to laugh at the food thing. You're right. That's exactly it. You know, like, how long do people... Been putting off the food. Now, you can't really go out and enjoy a restaurant. You can get takeout, but it's no fun, right? Just takeout.
1: Well, yeah. And I don't know if it's, you know, it's probably prohibitive for most people to order takeout, you know, two, three times a day. You know, so you kind of have to do it. It's bringing you back to all these things. And so much of what we cook, you know, uses water. So again, you're putting water into that. You can put your magic into the stirring of it. You can charge the water when you get it, you know, all of these things. Just being mindful, I think for me, is one of the ways to sort of get my intent out there, get my focus out there and distract myself from having it, like you said, life and death. You know, I can have this be an agent of life or I can focus it on being an agent of death. So for me, Flipping the switch, my priestess used to say, next right action. So using the water in a positive way, in a healing way, in a way to nourish myself through the food or through the drink is something that I feel like is good to focus on now as opposed to the what ifs because there's always going to be the what ifs and it's easy to get sucked into the what ifs the same way you can get sucked beneath the waters and for me it's just trying to stay afloat and you know I'm all about the bad water metaphors with this book I can't help it
0: but uh... <laughs> so, that's a good water metaphor right because this is like we're talking about the negative side of water and you you described it exactly yeah. what what is negative emotional cycles getting stuck down right what happens well If there's a current, an undercurrent, that starts to pull you under the water, right? Whether it's under emotional water, whether it brings you closer to death, whether it brings you bad luck, like these are all, or brings you into like emotional darkness. It's still, this if you're not actually trying, to steer the boat a little bit, like, you know, actually bring yourself up with some of the stuff that you were describing, it can all pull you down. I mean, when we look at the greater uh, emotional landscape, right, is this a positive emotional landscape? I don't think anyone could realistically say that COVID has produced a positive emotional landscape for water, like people's emotions are out of control, and they're not positive. It's not like we're our better angels are always coming to the surface yeah. that's not what we we've, we've seen but what you described personally instead of allowing that to drag you you're doing little things to actually make sure that it doesn't where you keep the water on you clear where you keep your emotions clear where you're looking at the small stuff and keeping that clear and not clear but on the positive trying to keep it on a positive not letting that other current kind of that's there and that's kind of an actually important point, because if you are not necessarily doing what you describe, the current will take you wherever. This gets into the next element, of the next aspect of water, which is the lunar card, tarot card, right? Which is the water takes you wherever it's going to go, and you have faith that it turns out. But if you're generating your own current with the water even in your body can kind of block out or not block out so much as just your current is stronger than the undercurrent as it were oh absolutely this is something we've like i read in just an article yesterday about like cross currents particularly and how you actually go across it if you're not going to get sucked in like you deliberately have to go against the grain on that. And that's something we've discussed on Dow's pieces of entry on law, where it's are playing that flow within yourself so that diet to somewhere else. But you're still in a flow within a flow. Which is what I took as what you were kind of starting to say. Like, yes, there is bad curse, but you're, this focus is actually very critically important. of These small things, keeping a different flow, keeping positive emotions, keeping your magic on your own cleansing processes, your water, all of the little rituals you can do to actually keep that going, even using water in, the, in this way.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, in Lakumi or Santeria, which is most people know it as, there's a, a ritual that we do for the ancestors after or somebody has passed, and it's called usually an assistencia where you lift them up, and you, it's a nine-day ritual, and you start off with their photograph and a glass of water on the ground, and it gets progressively higher every day, and on the ninth day, you set it on the ancestor altar or the bovida, which is what we call it in the tradition. So to me, this is just another way of uplifting ourselves, you know, and we have to uplift the ancestors, we have to uplift everything that's around us right now because there really is. A huge sinking feeling out there. We didn't put this out there. Just, just the general vibe of the pandemic is, is pretty sinking feeling. So I think again, for me, you know, it's been hard. Obviously, everybody's going through a lot with loss and, and you know, fear and stuff like that. And, and those are pretty strong emotions. But we still need to keep it together to uplift ourselves and to uplift those who have passed. You know, we we owe it to everybody. And I keep going back to the ancestors as well. You know where I remember my grandmother telling me a story back to cooking about when she was four years old. She made a whole chicken dinner for her family because everybody was sick, you know, and and I found her birth certificate the other day and I was thinking, wow, she made a whole chicken dinner for her family, four years old during the 1918 pandemic. And I was like, that's intense, man, (laughs) you know, she managed to keep it together and she managed to tell me that story. So, you know, it couldn't have been easy for any of them. We all had ancestors that went through it. But, you know, we wouldn't be here today if they didn't get through it somehow. So I just sort of try and remember that as well. Just sort of connecting with them across the waters. So much of the ATR, getting in touch with some of this ancestor energy is, is below the water or through the water, depending on how you want to look at the cosmology of it. But it's deep. That's, that's what I got to say about that. Yeah. And uh, it, it does have a lot of lessons to teach us if sometimes we can be silent and listen.
0: Which is getting to this kind of point of the water being an amplifier or a carrier of emotions. Like we gave a couple examples of like simple things that you're telling your, your godchildren and as well as, you know, on the blog, you obviously give a hand sanitizer before you know, a water, water hand sanitizer formula out there. So, But we're, we're kind of getting into this like water, this emotional amplifier amplifier, this enabler of more psychic abilities, and maybe we can talk about that a little because that ties in with the, it actually ties in with what's going on around us, like this thinking field and everything. If water is amplifying it and the emotions are getting amplified, well, maybe we should talk about that, like the mechanism, like how it seems to work, actually, because you have experience with multiple water cities, like you you used to live in New York, this sort of a water city, maybe you'll describe it differently. We also live in New Orleans, which is like considered, you know, ancestral water city of the world, practically. I mean, um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I'm in the middle of, well, it's below sea level. So I, I, I didn't really understand what that meant magically until I was living here permanently. And I think I'm finally getting it. You know, I, I do better this way. I totally do. I don't do well in like Denver and high altitudes and stuff like that. I definitely do better below sea level. And I think in a lot of ways. That's why it is such a magical city. You know, there's so much magic here in New Orleans, but in New York, what I didn't realize either until just about before I left was I lived in Brooklyn. So I lived pretty much close to the East River. And then I grew up in Bay Ridge, you know, cyanide Fever territory, and right next to the Verrazano Bridge, which is where the river empties out into the ocean and goes on towards Coney Island and things like that. So it was a very Oshun, Yamaya place, as a Babalawa friend of mine pointed out as we were driving over the bridge. So it had both of those energies, the energy of both the river and the sea. And my first documentary about New Orleans voodoo was called bodies of water. And in a way it compared some of the ashe or sacred energy of New York as compared to New Orleans, because pretty much the magic and the people and and all the vibe of the place is influenced by the water that's near it. You know, if we look at back throughout time, we look at some of these sacred rivers, these sacred, you know, fertile basins that were centered around rivers and trade and industry and travel and all these things are got from the water. So it's such a beautiful thing really unfortunately so much of it is polluted they made me take all of that out unfortunately in the book every time I was like oh this is polluted you should donate they're like no don't put that in so whatever do that like why would they do that I don't understand I mean I didn't even mention anything specifically because you know I want people to do their own research and support the you know cleaning of the waters in their own communities
0: I gotta do for a a (laughs) long
1: (laughs) Why?
0: <laughs> whatever. That's the whatever. I. Why, Llewellyn? Whatever. But I'm, It's a just... often ask why. Why do you do that? <laughs> Come on. People, people to care about the rivers around them and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, even if, you know, I've certainly done that, gone out and, and cleaned it up myself and donated to other people who help keep these things clean because it's important. It's very important. It's life-sustaining, you know? But anyway, but, uh, so now New York was, I would definitely, as a child of Oshun and the Santo tradition i would constantly go to the river to leave offerings and things like that as part of my tradition and i would also go to the ocean as well when it was you know a reading or it was part of time for my spiritual house to go leave offerings at the water telling a story the other night about how i had to leave a watermelon for Yemaya. At Coney Island and it was right after 9-11 and I didn't want to throw it off the pier because I was afraid they'd think it was a weapon or a bomb or some crap like that because like I'm mean, like why would someone be throwing a watermelon off the pier so I stuck it under my skirt and I waddled out under the, the pier and I sort of birthed it into the water where nobody would see me <laughs> but it got yeah, well, in there we're well aware
0: of those types. As, as, as the voodoo helps ourselves, I'm well aware of the sneaking offerings to places, methods that you must employ to avoid police interaction.
1: Yes, yes. You got to do what you got to do. You know, that's what happens, you know? So there we go. But that was, I mean, it definitely does take, it and it also takes on the character of the indigenous people and the land, you know, and, and how, the, what their relationship was to the water. So for here in New Orleans, I mean, again, we're talking about different people so and we're talking about different water but where I am right now is sort of at the junction of the canal which goes you go down a little bit I'm right next to World's End which is where the canal meets the Mississippi and then the Mississippi flows out and very quickly connects to the Gulf and I'm less than a half hour away from Lake Pontchartrain too so I'm kind of next to the lake the canal the river and the water and we're underwater and it's raining now. So um, there's a lot of water
0: here. <laughs> and it's very massive. water surrounding you everywhere, underneath it you, is. around you, and above you.
1: It is. It's like there's water everywhere, you know, and you were talking about it being an amplifier. And I think you, they've even proven this scientifically, that water remembers. Like if you have a drop of water that comes from somewhere that's, you know, a thousand miles away, it still has the same character as it did when it's started out over there. It gets mixed with other things, but nothing gets taken away. You can still detect all the properties that it had originally. So that to me is amazing. It can sort of like blend and amplify at the same time because I could mix it with some other water and it still has its original properties. It's like it's it's doubled itself almost in its existence. And this is the, one of the, the most beautiful things I think about it. And when you get down to it, that's really magical that it can like double itself without, you know losing and only gaining and that's something that we don't see very often I think in anything in nature or magic that something has the ability to do that so that's one of the things that I've been trying to remember especially now as I'm surrounded by this water that has the character of the original Choctaw who lived here that has the character of Marie Laveau who used to go and leave offerings at the Mississippi that has the character of everybody that came before her that has the character of Annie Christmas that you know the steamboat captain that used to ride on the water and, and would fight for everybody who needed a champion, you know, unwed mothers and, and abused wives and all of these things. And it sort of makes me feel less alone. And I think that that's something that in my magic, again, especially during this time when we're all isolated, I mean, I don't have a COVID dance partner, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> feeling less alone <laughs> in the swamp is something that uh, I work actively on. And I'm sure a lot of other people can feel me on that who may not have a COVID dance partner.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's actually important. The water as the connecting agent is also one of the things. I mean, we're, we're out in my life, but water mixes and connects. You know, and right now, yes, we, we we're talking about the negative side of water, but even then, when people are gathering, I mean, recently we had this barbecue in the entire House, right? All these people protesting masks in Toronto, which, okay, I thought I left all that behind in the United States, but okay. Apparently not, but still all these people were connecting over this emotion and they were connecting, you know, we generally consider that probably bad, bad public health, but they were still interconnected and like water is this connecting agent through these emotions and similar emotions is, you know, even digitally. Uh, we're having a conversation, we're connecting, we're reconnecting, but the idea, the water is flowing back and forth, right? Like digitally speaking, like it's an interesting thing. Hey, you're exactly right. Reconnecting with the water, you know, reconnects with some of the people with similar, yeah. and it's a more emotional plane almost. That's kind of exactly what you were describing, which is, you know, you're in a perfect position to amplify that. you get got water all around you. You can feel the energies of the the different elements of people who touch the water. And that's kind of yeah. what you're kind of getting at is connection. It's still connecting different aspects, but now we're connecting things outside of time because the water remembers. The water kind of provides this kind of portal back in, backwards in time, which also reveals a lot of aspects of practical magic. That fact alone gets into the carrier and it remembers. So while well now we get into... Why do baths actually work, or why do these actually work? Well, these principles alone give us a kind of, in our discussion, they emerge as a way to kind of start discussing practical magic. Like, because if water remembers and it's getting in your body, what happens when you take a bath, right? What, what happens when you're combining elements of natural, uh, the natural, the natural waters around, and preferably getting permission with the, the water spirits and having their energy boost your bath up, like. What happens when you mix herbs in? Because the water's going to carry it, amplify it and go in your body. And then we're talking about the principle of water doubling and once it's in your body, what happens? So these are all kind of, now we can get into like, well, how can we use this? Because really this principle that we that just emerged that we're talking about, really can, we can start talking about recipes and stuff like that in a different way. In, in a different way of how it actually can be used in this kind of practical, magical way. Just by that alone, I think. And you have lots of recipes that we could talk about.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I mean, I think the easiest thing for people to do is really just start collecting some of these magical waters, you know, themselves. And, you know, I know it's hard because people can't travel as much now, but there's a lot of water water you can get. I I go to the soup. what did I find? We have a discount supermarket here in New Orleans and I found uh, water from Wales in a glass bottle. So I felt like so happy. I was just like, wow, my Welsh ancestors are going to do a little jig coming back out of the coal mines (laughs) and the beyond. (laughs) But you know, you can get some of these things. I've
0: certainly seen that you can get water from the ganji in most Indian grocery stores and I know that.
1: Mm-hmm. I yeah, seen I've seen that from too.
0: Mississippi. I haven't seen any water from the Mississippi. I'm
1: sure there's that. somebody in the corridor selling it for an insane amount of, of price or whatnot. I do, well, because New Orleans voodoo, we have a lot of hoodoo elements. We have a lot of you know sort of folk elements that we incorporate. And Marie Laveau's grave, the church across the street from it is um, the international shrine of Saint Jude, and it has a healing grotto where they have the holy water font out there that you can get. Bottles or whatever, you know, you make a donation or whatnot. So what I'm saying that is, I went once and they didn't have any bottles, and I was so upset. And this little old janitor came out in the back, and he's like, "I'll mail it to you." And I was like, "You can't really mail water legally, but you know, here, guy, here, five dollars, send me some water." And would you bet? Like he totally got it for me the next day. It beat me home. I had holy water waiting for me from this little janitor guy in the church. I was so happy. I was like, "Yay!" I didn't he was gonna do it. You always treat janitors correctly you
0: never know when it's one of the law hiding
1: oh definitely i've always been like that i was always raised like that you know i mean who am i to to treat anybody less than ever anything you know because i could be the janitor i had a phd teacher who used to go that's doctor janitor to you you know she knew education was never going to pay her any money so But yes, you don't know. You don't know. And uh sometimes spirit gets you what you need, no matter what. But yes, you can get water out there. And just in general, you know, things are going to start getting opened up little by little here and there, you know, and uh I always ask people to bring me water from wherever they've come. You know, not a lot, just like a little ounce bottle of water or something like that, you know, and then I save it and who knows when I'm going to need it. But then there's different kinds of water, too, that you can collect. I, I mentioned spring water, obviously, but there's tap water that I just talked about with Spirit of Place. There's a lot, you know. My traditional background before I started doing all the ATRs and everything was, you know, straight up witchcraft. So I've always been a really big believer in May Rainwater because it comes from after Beltena and that half of the year, especially in this hemisphere, is when we're talking about, you know, renewal and rebirth and springtime and all of this kind of like attraction positivity kind of things, not to mention lust, you know, whatever. We could sing the Camelot song. But so I like to collect May Rainwater and use that instead else because that as the character of that part of the year. And traditionally, that's usually what people use for spells about bringing things to them and those kinds of, of elements in their magic. But rainwater in general is a great thing to, to collect. Stormwater, obviously, if you want some serious change coming, hurricane water, the same way you want to take something and, and transform that as quickly and uh, successfully. And p- like sort of, it's like an extreme focus, you know, extreme focus on things because you've got that. Eye of the hurricane. So it really sort of swirls all the water together and then sticks it to you. So I use that for a very specific reason. So just start collecting some of the waters. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be fancy. It can really just be waters that you gather yourself. And I think that adds your own personal energy into it. But Then you can put whatever else you want with that. You mentioned earlier my ambrosia bath, which the story about that, I was looking so hard as before I wrote my first book, Voodoo and Afro-Caribbean, paganism. And, uh, I had interviewed Carlos Montenegro, who some people know as the author of the Santeria formulary. He was a third generation Santero. He actually passed like almost right after I interviewed him, unfortunately, but he was very nice. And, uh, he was talking in one of his books about Ambrosia and a lot of these things, you know, you get Spanish names for it and you get Yoruba names for it, which is where a lot of the magic originally came from. And then sometimes you get English names for it. So, you know, really sure what you're looking at. So I kept seeing this ingredient, ambrosia, ambrosia, ambrosia. Like and I finally found it somewhere that ambrosia was stinkweed. And I was like, wow, one man's ambrosia is another man's stinkweed. So if you're looking at it. <laughs> You know, it's just how you think about it. It really is. And, uh, you know, so the ambrosia bath is literally just you go and you gather all the weeds that are growing in your yard. If you don't have a yard, you can pick the weeds that are growing in the planter box outside your building or your planter box outside your work or something like that and take them and you make a basically a decoction of it. So put it in some sort of warm water, not boiling because you don't want to kill all the oils and everything, but pretty hot leave it there to steep for like a half hour, an hour, strain it. And then you can use that in your bath. I just don't, I mean, I like to do baths, but for, I now I have a house so I have a bathtub but before that I didn't have a bathtub and when I had to do a bath I'd have to get like a rubbermaid tote and climb in it and sort of pour it over my head which is difficult so I would do that when I needed to (laughs) but I was also really big on putting things in spray bottles which I still do because I find that way you can spray it all around your area I'm really big on doing floor washes because that way you can cleanse your whole house you can do your windows especially when we're talking about things like protection that's really helpful to me because then I know that the windows are protected, the doors are protected, so that anything coming in is blessed and has been blessed by the waters and the spells and stuff that I've used.
0: We love the floor. We, we love the floor washes. The floor washes are great. The spray bottles are even better. Yeah. You <laughs> won't make concoctions a whole bunch. You have that. to. Yeah. That's a that one is probably an underrated Magical technique is floor washes. Oh yeah, definitely. I and mean, some some conjure stuff. I feel like, okay, really with cement everywhere, you're going to get the foot tracks. How's that going to happen, right? Like you're going go yeah. to go into the office. You're going to go in the office and you know get somebody's personal effects. Okay, maybe if you're really clever, but you know, but a lot of floor wash affect everyone who comes into a place. Oh we're having a floor wash.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Now. And the spray bottle helps if there's a carpet in the office. Because I've had a lot of my clients say that to me, Oh, there's a carpet. I yep. can't wash it, you know. But if so, you've got the spray, there you have go. a secret for that. Yeah. Oh, it's a Use secret. A steam cleaner. Oh, there you go.
0: That's good. And you make sure you filter the, the floor wash in a way that's filtered enough that there's no salads afterwards. A steam cleaner actually works wonders to put down the floor wash anywhere that's carpeted. That's
1: great. I love that yeah. idea. I want one of those.
0: Uh, I was having lived in places with car- carpet. I was like, $30 rental. You can kind of put down the floor wash in my whole house. Mm-hmm. Uh and then have it sink in, so it's not like it's just there. It's not like you're just—it's not on the surface. It's in. You carpet it, that one steam cleaner. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's
0: wonderful. Well, I love and, that idea. You know, even going with the floor wash concept—not that it be UV cleaner, but even essential oil within your clothing to do laundry washes. Oh yeah, laundry washes—that's another one. That's really good. Can-
1: yeah, I do that. I do it in the fabric softener rinse sometimes, because that way I know it's in there at yeah. the end. Yeah, All all, all, all kind
0: of practical things. They brought the things interesting too because one of the things is I have like 20 books that I should write that are never getting finished ever. (laughs) And one of the things that I made him do while we're going through the herb magic book is go get weeds and like spiritually connect to them and they're like, we want to survive. We're going to win. Like no matter what, like, which if you're just going out and getting weeds, right, that's literally like immense, like survival instinct. Well, well and the funny story was it's like this was verified because I want you to see like a of medicine doctor and they're like, what is happening with your system? It has so much wind in there. I'm like, Cause I want to survive. I want to get things done. <laughs> and they were like, No, do you even have this much in you? You're young. You could have this. I'm like, well, I've been doing meditation. They're like, Okay, that explains everything right. It's like, because it goes back to the weed thing with the amnesia, this whole stuff. you People usually would think, okay, they are just going this way, right? But you right, putting it in the water has this real time to survive like and prosper, regardless of the bad thing. So like, I kind of follow when, when you're describing it like pinkweed. That's like one, okay, well, who would think, right? But there it is. It's a plant that has its will to survive and prosper no matter what. Well, you generally see that with a lot of marquee plants, too, actually. Even though there's a lot of water, if you take them out of water, they'll still be good, So
1: No, it's true. It's true. So, yeah, I definitely try and do a lot of that, you know, I mean, especially with the weeds. You're right. They're so strong, and they're right there. So, like, in a way, they're reacting to the environment, too. I really love that about them, you know, because it's very localized. Like, it's surviving in this very niche environment wherein you're trying to survive as well. So, like, it's it's like it's tailored for that and i think that's beautiful
0: that is that is. Weeds they're underrated they're underrated i mean that's that's the dg song we get, right <laughs> yeah yeah we talked all about a lot of topics and uh you kind of said it alone kind of just handed in water but how do you feel after the fact how did you feel after the fact of writing this book like and kind of what you came off with.
1: I was very pleased with myself, which I'm almost never pleased with myself. So please know that I am humble and this is a rare moment. <laughs> because it just seemed like such a monumental task. I was supposed to write everything about water magic, you know, which just seemed huge. And every water... God, water goddess, you know, every crystal, oil, incense, you know, a big chunk of formulas, a big chunk of folklore, mythological places, actual places. It, it was just so much, you know, that I wasn't sure that I could do it justice in a small book, you know? And I was happy with the way that it came out because it was really an exciting journey and I didn't think that would happen. I really thought it would be kind of (laughs) dry. I thought the water magic book would be dry. You know what I mean? Like very detailed (laughs) research about like, oh, what's this water crystal? What planet owns it? You know, (laughs) it's fun, but when you get to the point of like, you know, a hundred hours of that, when you have to do it, it becomes less fun. But I was very happy with it because I kept finding new and exciting things in there that made me happy. And I kept sort of rediscovering, I really wanted it to be a collaboration. Like I said, there's chapters in there from with Dr. Utu about Niagara and the ritual work he's done up there. And there's a poem from my friend Fat Mandy about the three rivers in Pittsburgh and how magical that is, because I've spent a lot of time there and talked to some of the practitioners about how that energy works. So For me, it was really sort of drawing in all these different sites. And, you know, I started writing about the waterfall and the beginning of Twin Peaks and the legend of the, you know, the maiden that went off the falls there. And I was like, this is so cool. You know, (laughs) So I just I found so much stuff that was interesting and exciting to me when I really thought it wouldn't necessarily be all of that. So that was fascinating. And there were a lot of things, too, where they would come to meet me. I was still living in Brooklyn at the time, and I think we had way Whales at Coney Island that had been, you know, people were trying to rescue them. So that was like, wow, whales are coming to meet me. And I remember I got off an elevator and I was in downtown Brooklyn and somebody had a stuffed heron. And I was like, this is really weird. Like I'm writing about herons, and now all of a sudden I've managed to manifest a heron indoors in the middle of downtown Brooklyn. So there were things where it was like, I felt like I was really tapping into the energy of whatever specific thing I was writing about, because I would turn around and it would manifest in the weirdest and oddest places for me. So that, I was doing a workshop in Canada and like Kingfishers were like dive bombing at my head, things like this. I have never even seen a Kingfisher before. So it was like all these weird, strange coincidences that felt like, you know, thumbs up from the universe about what I was trying to get in contact with and get in touch with. So that I thought was really fascinating and I'm really happy how it turned out and that people that really like it and are sort of, you know, managing to still. Order it even though there's delays and COVID and all of that. Water delays, right? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Definitely. moves at its own pace. You know, all of this happens. But no, I and I'm happy. I was really honored that Heather Green's my editor at Llewellyn and and she put together this series. And I'm really honored that I was the one that kicked it off. So it was sort of, I was the inaugural book. So I got to sort of set some of the tone for what was happening. And and as hard as that was in the moment, I think I'm sort of happy about it because it allowed me to have a little teeny bit more leeway and freedom with what was actually going to go in there than the people that followed me it's all going to follow this exact same format so me and my my aries nature see I have no water anywhere but I like being first so that was good
0: You got the fire in the water. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) I do. Steam, heat. Yeah, yeah. That's what I got. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, you know, I've worked with other publishers and I was excited to work with Llewellyn. I grew up with Llewellyn, you know, as a kid, it was like, wow, Llewellyn was the publisher. So it was an honor to get to work with them and to sort of see how they do things differently and stuff. So. You got a copy
0: of your book
1: to hold it up so people on video
0: can see. I do, I do. Pimping—it's got to be pimped, right? So there we go. Pimp the book. There you go. go. Water
1: magic. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I said, there's all different deities. There's all different myths. I love all of that in there. There's all like the mythological places. Some of these folklore things, like the Japanese anus sucking vampires, that was intense. Um, yeah.
0: That is intense. That's why the Japanese talk about it.
1: Yeah. 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 They
0: hide that actually. I would probably hide that too. I know, I know.
1: No, there's some strange stuff in the water, you know, and, and then just like going deeper into it about how, like, okay, why do we have these things? Like you said, water's the emotions, but it can also be danger, it can be death, but it can also be life, you know, and how each of the cultures sort of came up with their own mythology, folklore, characters, all of this, you in, in response to that and how they view it. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. If there's one thing, take a sound out, what would you have people do with water right now?
1: One thing that I would have them do with water. Okay, well, the next time they get near some water, (laughs) like they don't have to run away from this, you know, presentation at the moment. But the next time they get up and are at the (laughs) faucet, just take a moment and take some water. Put it on your hands, put a few drops on your feet, put a few drops on the top of your head and on the back of your neck, because that is going to give a blessing to everything you touch. Your feet are going to give a blessing to every step you take and where you walk. Your head is going to give a blessing to where you think. And the back of your neck is where spirit transfers itself in and out of you and gives you messages and things like that. So the messages that you will get will be you know, informed by the character of that water and that spirit of place.
0: There we go. So this is deeper down. In two weeks, we're going to be doing a show on fire. So we did air and water. So if you do the Kabbalistic crawl uh, or the Lesser Banishing Pentagram, you know, we basically went from water from air to water, fire to earth. And as Zach has pointed out, since I have a 150-pages book that isn't published for and I think that I should finish. We'll be, we'll be covering that in two weeks. If you are a sponsor, stay on. We're going to do an ancestral blessing of the water, or water blessing for the ancestors, and that work has been volunteered to do. So please stay on. And if you're not a sponsor, you can become a sponsor right now. And stay up for that blessing. Everyone, stay healthy and well in COVID. That's important. Care about you, stay healthy, stay healthy, uh, the best you can.